Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Monday, November 19th, and we have just witnessed one of the most electric football games that I have ever seen. Two prolific offenses trading touchdowns like heavyweights in their prime, defenses making plays. It was just, it was an incredible game. Um, and obviously I'm talking about the Monday night football game that just ended between the Rams and the Chiefs, because that's clearly not what happened between Penn State and Rutgers this, this weekend. But holy shit, Pat, did you catch any of this uh, Monday night football game? Um, I actually, I only caught a couple snippets because I was, I was at, I had a show tonight. Nice. I, I would walk in and, it, you know, it was like 40 to 47 and like 52 to 48. It was, it was unbelievable. Insane. So the game finishes 54 to 51, highest Monday night football total ever, 105 combined points. They scored, uh, they went for 1,001 combined yards, which is just, it's just banana land. It was an amazing game. Um, this is not an NFL podcast, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But man, as a, as a New York Jets fan, and as a Penn State fan of late watching this offense, it was crazy to see some of the, some of just the creativity, the skill players on those teams, man. Um, 10 touchdowns combined. I read us that the Jets have 10 passing touchdowns combined between those two teams tonight. The Jets have 11 all season. So, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> these uh, things tend to happen when you're a Jets fan. Yeah. How was the show, man? Uh, it was very good. Um, had a very good set. Uh, Lori Kilmartin headlining absolutely crushed. Uh, it was a great time. Nice. Yeah. For all the fans listening, uh, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, Pat is a stand-up comedian, comedian, comic. What do I say? Either works, to be honest. I feel like, I feel like you got to be in the biz to say comic. Um, yeah. I'll say comedian. You can say comic. But uh, yeah, Pat, very funny guy. If you're in the L.A. area, check him out. Um, yeah. Being in L.A., I kind of felt dumb not going to that, uh, that Rams-Chiefs game tonight. Um, I was looking up tickets. They weren't like crazy expensive, but just wasn't super feeling it. So, I mean, just trying to get to that stadium right? it would there's nothing, nothing I want to do. Yeah, that's true. So very nice watching it from the comfort of my couch. Um, how was your weekend, man? I was I was following along on your Instagram. Saw that you did an interesting challenge this weekend. Yes, I tried to do a ten thousand calorie challenge. Um, it, the name is basically exactly what it suggests. I tried to consume ten thousand calories all in food. Drinks don't count, or else I think you know, with some beers I could have gotten there. Yeah, yeah. But I I made it a little over halfway. Um, okay. I did come through on my promise to eat more donuts than Rutgers would score points. So I'm of that. <laughs> so you had, so you had more e- than Even though I couldn't donuts. make it all 10,000 calories, I was able to beat the Rutgers Scarlet, tonight, Scarlet Knights this weekend. There you go, man. Well, what's the point of the challenge? Just for fun? Did you do it for any reason? Oh, yeah. It was just, just for fun. Did it with my roommate, Vinny. Um, <laughs> he tapped out way early because he's a big pussy. Shout out, and, Vinny. <laughs> yeah. And I... I did, I did everything I could, but I just didn't have it in me. Hey, kudos to you, man. I, I don't know if I would have even gotten that far. So uh, proud of you for that one. Uh, my weekend was uh, weekend was kind of casual. I've uh, been a little sick lately, so I apologize now for the coughs that you will likely hear through this episode. Um, but I did get to uh, – I tweeted this out last week. I got to meet legendary punter Pat McAfee, um, oh, yeah. which was awesome. He was here in L.A. Uh, so I was at work in Venice, and I saw him tweeting that he was playing – a game of horse against Lamar Odom at the Venice basketball court. So went over there and lo and behold, there they are. And uh, I was 10, it was like 10 AM on a Thursday. So, I mean, the crowd was only about 15, 20 people. So once they were done, they were just kind of hanging out, 
got to chit chat with Pat a little bit. Gave him gave him a no names all game business card. Um, I'm sure he'll be he'll be showing everyone. <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean, I, he he said he'd love to be on the show sometime. So I'm holding out holding out that hope. Uh, did he actually say that? He did, and I mean, he's you know he's he's an awesome dude. Like I got to did I got he to... mean it though? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, here, I think. Well, here's the thing. My friends were ragging on me too. They're like, yeah, right. I was like, listen, obviously he, you know, he's a nice guy and he's going to say that. And, you know, he's a, he's a super, super busy. Like we're not going to get him on the show, but it was cool that he took a couple minutes and was just chatting with me about the state, you know, that is cool. Um, so we were talking, uh, I told him to keep an eye on our boy, Blake Gilligan, even though he's having a little bit of a down year. And then he started telling me a story about how he actually, he almost went to Penn state. Um, so hopefully we, maybe we will get him on the show one time and he can tell Ooh, that full maybe. story. Apparently he was like all set. He took an official visit and then, uh, Ironically enough, Mike McQuarrie told him he wasn't uh, Penn State material. So, again, take well, that would know. take that for what you will. My friends thought that was just a dig. Uh, I think it's serious. Who knows? But here nor there. We are here to talk about Penn State versus Rutgers and uh, quite the opposite of, of tonight's Monday Night Football game. This was a snooze fest. Uh, Penn State gets the win, improves to 8-3 and three on the season. Uh, but we were, what, 28-point favorites, something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. the game finishes at 20-7. to seven. Um, a, lot of, lot of, a lot of things to be frustrated about in this game. A lot of things to be upset about. And, and I was pretty, pretty openly negative on Twitter during the game. Um, you know, we're on the West Coast, so it's a 9 a.m. game. Did not go to the bar, so I was just watching at home, kind of live tweeting, getting in there with some of the, you know, some of the Penn State Twitter and – yeah, it was frustrating, man. Um, so I think what we're going to do for this episode, we're going to shake it up a little bit. We're going to give out our awards to start like we always do. We'll give out our lion and our lamb, uh, most valuable and least valuable. And then instead of good, bad, and ugly, we'll just we'll break it down into a couple of topics or segments, whatever you want to call it. And we'll just we'll kind of talk through the game. Um, so let's start, let's start with the positives, as always. Uh, who is your lion for this week? Um, I've got to go. With Micah Parsons. Damn it. I, I got to stop letting you go first because you always think <laughs> the guy I want. I, hey, man, seven tackles was one away from being our leader with a sack and two tackles for loss. And dude, once again, he just shows the ability to always be where the, the play is happening. It's I, I can't believe just the sort of presence on the field this kid has as a true freshman is really incredible. We're going to see some – we've already seen great things out of him as a freshman – we're going to see some really great things in the years to come. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, he had that he had that one strip sack with the forced fumble. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't fall on it, which is you know Penn we State never can plague this year. Um, but that was just awesome to see him rushing like that. Uh, a couple things that I loved was was when they allowed him to rush off the edge. So there was a couple plays. Uh, one in particular on that goal line. Uh, I think it was the the goal line stand where they they dropped the Philly special, which we'll we'll talk about later. But man, he he just came off the edge and, and dropped the running back in the backfield. Uh, I think it was for a no gain, but I mean they were on like the three or four yard line, and the quickness that he gets in there with was was just awesome. Um, there was another one. It was somewhat early in the game. Uh, we had Rutgers. They were on their own. I don't know, fifteen yard line. It was a third and super long, um, and they let him free from the middle linebacker position. And, and if you watch the clip, I'll try to get a clip of it and post it. And he starts maybe eight nine yards off the QB by the time the QB drops a couple of yards you're talking he's covering 10 12 yards um the play resulted in a completion but he was right there in the face of the quarterback and it's just that athleticism that quickness man it's it's super exciting to see him transitioning from just a freak athlete to like a real linebacker like you remember this dude was a, a dn slash running back and 
I was going to say, this wasn't even the position he played in high school. Yeah. So, like, we, we talked about how he can play anything. Like, you know, I remember in the high school circuit when they would go to all the camps, like, he would he would line up against defensive backs and, like, beat them one-on-one as a wide receiver. So, like, again, just a, a freak athlete. But to see him really settling into the linebacker role and then them being able to kind of get him up on the line as a pass rusher, too, is just super, super encouraging. Um, <clears throat> cough number one. Um, but yeah, he actually, he did get his first start. So we talked about uh, how we, we think he needs to start. Um, the only kind of the caveat there is wasn't quite because they, they thought he deserved it and bumped him over Koa like we expected. Um, it was because Cam Brown was actually, uh, uh, he had to sit the first half of the game for what Franklin said, a minor violation of team rules. Uh, yeah, of course, they're not going to tell us what that is. Um, but either way, Micah got the start. Uh, he continues to lead the team. He has 65 tackles on the season. And as a guy who's not playing every down and sharing some time, that's just – that's amazing as a true freshman. Yeah, you, you can't expect any more out of the kid. It's really unbelievable what he's done so far this season. Yeah, wearing number 11, uh, you know, shout-out to LeVar Arrington. Uh, he's he's living up to that stick city. So, yeah, uh, Micah, you're, you're absolutely the lion of this game. There's only one other guy that I could think to give it to, and that's Pat Fryermuth. Um, mm-hmm. Three catches, two touchdowns. He had both of our touchdowns. Um, you know, fairly, fairly easy uh, kind of dump, dumps. The first one was like a six or seven yarder, but uh, he did have like a 23 yarder right before that, which was his only other catch. Uh, and then the other one was a nice uh, kind of little fade up the right side into the end zone. Um, but he's got six touchdowns on the season, um, you know, for, for a true freshman. Uh, we, we talked about this before. He is a bit older, so he's 20 years old. I was trying to like look as to like what happened that he's so much older as a freshman. The only thing I saw is that he did five years of high school because he transferred, I guess, one year and had to had to make up for something or other. Um, but as a true freshman, when the tight end position was kind of murky coming into the season, you know, we lose Gasicki. You look at guys like John Holland, who had, had been, you know, in and out. Nick Bowers, who had been banged up. Danny Dalton, who hasn't really put it together yet. This kid has just completely taken over the role as the starting tight end. Um, like, you don't even see the other guys get reps at this point. And, and he's got the trust of, of Trace and, and of the offense. So, and he's um, a solid blocker, too. Yeah, very, very solid. The one thing I was looking up as I was looking up some of his age stuff, um, the dude's a powerhouse right now. He's 6'5", 260. Like, yeah, that's wow. a big boy. Um, for reference, <clears throat> Mike Kosicki, who is currently a rookie in the NFL at the same time, Frymuth six five two sixty and Gasicki is six six two forty five. So, Woo! I mean, you're you're looking at a kid who's again a true freshman is only going to get bigger, faster, stronger, and um, I'm really excited to see what they do next year because uh, don't forget we've also got Zach Kuntz, uh, who is another top tight end that came in this year. Um, he's much more on the Gasicki end of the spectrum where he's just kind of a big wide receiver. Um, they needed him to put on some weight and to kind of get up to speed a little bit, but I, I'm very excited to see the two of them together uh, next year. I think that's going to be a pretty, pretty deadly combo. So Pat Fryer moves. Yeah. It'd be fun to run like some two tight end sets. Yeah, you know? definitely. So Pat, you are uh, not you, Pat, but Pat Fryer uh, You are okay. my lion of the week. Micah Parsons, Pat Fryer lions. All right. <coughs> Cough number two, flipping to the lamb, least valuable. Um, I think this is going to kind of segue into one of our segments because I can't imagine us talking about more than one or two people here. So start yeah. it off for us. Um, so I love the guy too much to give it to him all. <coughs> so I'm going to throw a caveat here. My lamb is first quarter, Trace McSorley. 
I love that um, because I actually had mine listed as first half Trace McSorley. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had one touchdown in the first half. Yep, yep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, opens the game, what, like four for 15. And he was, he was missing people very uncharacteristically. He was high. He was wide. It just, he couldn't seem to put it together. He wasn't making plays that he normally makes. And I mean, he, you know, he obviously stepped it up from there quite a bit in after that, but it still wasn't great at any point. Yeah. Um, and I had the same thing. Um, so, so let's, let's talk trace a little bit and then this will, this will kind of segue into our segment of the offense and Ricky Ronnie and the play calling <laughs> and, and kind of all of that. So um, yeah. in the first half before the touchdown, Trace went four of 16 for 29 yards. Um, that's not good, right? So he did pick it up after that touchdown drive. And, and it was nice to see him kind of, you know, he, he made, made some nice plays, had a couple of, couple of balls downfield. He had one to, I think, KJ, that was pretty nice. One to Jahan, one or two to, two to Jahan Dotson. Um, but he finished the day 17 for 37, a whopping 46% completion, mm-hmm. 183 yards, uh, two touchdowns, like we talked about, both to Fryermuth, but one interception too. Um, the interception, like he, he forced it up. It, it was Justin Shorter, uh, freshman out there. He forced it up, and it looked like Shorter jumped a little bit early. But uh, you can't you can't really blame that one um, on the receiver. I, I like Trace. Honestly, he, he threw. It almost looks like he's when he's throwing a lot of those deep balls, those jump balls. He's putting so much weight on what is it? His right leg that's injured, I think. Um, mm-hmm. he's putting so much weight on the other leg. It's almost like he's kind of like hanging the right leg out there. And a lot of them just end up floating. Um, and it sucks. Cause like, I, I've, you know, I've gone on rants about this in the past, you know, I, I am, I think if not the biggest trace in, in the world, I'm up there and, you know, maybe top five. Um, I love the guy. I want to see him healthy. I'll I want put to his dad in his mom one or two, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give him a run for the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's, you know, it, it's tough to see, like, this being the end of his career because, again, we've got one more one more home game and then a bowl game, and that's it for him. Like, um, shout out, he did get an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl, which is awesome. Um, all-star game for seniors that are NFL draft eligible going into uh, the draft. Um, so we'll get to see him in that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was ugly. And, and you see a lot, of, a lot of these ones where he's, he's throwing the ball, like, just as he's getting to the line of scrimmage, whereas a couple of weeks ago before this injury, he's taken off. And, like, I get it, right? They're going to try to limit the injuries. They're going to try to make sure he's not getting hurt. He's probably been told, you know, kind of relax on that a little bit. And if I'm him, yeah, I don't want to take off on those crazy runs either. You know, as much of a competitor as you are, it's still still tough if you're, if you're banged up and you're not 100%. So really, really tough, um, you know, for how many years now he has been – kind of the force that drives this offense and and really since the injury he just he hasn't been himself and that's the tough that's the tough part it's not that he's just not playing well it's not that he's all of a sudden sucking it's like for me it's a clear correlation like yes this season has been tough with a new offensive coordinator new offensive weapons losing so many people but before the injury it was still like good enough right it was still good enough we were we were having success um but since that injury it's it's just he hasn't been the same and it's it's tough um, it, it really, it, it sucks to watch. So this, this kind of leads into, um, sort of our first segment on, on trace in general. So before we get into some of that negative conversation, let's talk about some of the positive. There were, there were some really good things that came out of this game for trace, um, career wise. Uh, so first, uh, he 
he got his 100th and 101st touchdowns responsible for, um, which he is the only the third guy in Big Ten history to do that. Uh, Who are the other two? I was going to ask you. Do you know? Do you want to garner a guess? Uh, Drew Brees. Correct. Um, Terrell Pryor. Uh, correct. Team, wrong quarterback. Same era. Um, oh, what's his name? A little bit after. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. JT Barrett. JT Barrett. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, that's a that's an incredible milestone. And like, again, all of this that we're saying we're frustrated how he's playing poorly is not because, you know, we're pissed at Trace. It just sucks to see him like trying to fight through this injury and gut out You know wins. he's better than this. Yeah, of course. So really cool to see that. 100, 100 touchdowns responsible for. Um, and then he got his 30th career win, which is all-time Penn State. Um, I think he has, if, if if he doesn't have all of them, he's damn near close to all of the quarterback uh records right for for penn state um yeah but this one is awesome and and i i really liked <coughs> excuse me one of the quotes he had uh afterwards one of the uh, one of the reporters was asking him about you know like kind of what that means and everything and his quote was he says kind of like today by no means my best performance but the team gutted out a win the defense played great the special team contributed when they needed to and our offense was able to put enough points to get a win. So a lot of that is on the rest of the team. And in my eyes, wins go to the team, not the person. Um, so we know Trace, you know, he's going to say the right thing. Yeah. But it's like, he means it though. You know, he's not just saying it just to say it. Like I he know. knows, he knows he had a shit game. Like, he's happy to get the win. He's happy that the team got the win. Um, but that was really cool. He sits atop the leaderboard, you know, over guys like Blackledge over guys like, uh, you know, there's a million of them, but, um, Gary Collins, Gary Collins, Tony Saka, I think was the other one. Saka Saka. I don't know how to say his name. Um, Hackenberg didn't have a whole lot of wins, but Michael Robinson, you look at all the quarterbacks in history. Daryl Clark had a good run. Um, just really cool to see like for all of that he's done for our program over the last couple of years to see him kind of atop that mountain. So, um, shout out to you, Trace. Love it. Um, so those were, those were two of the, two of the real good ones. Um, And this is going to lead me to our first ever question from a fan and a listener. Um, Every week I I post on Twitter, post on Instagram, send us your questions. Don't get a whole lot, but that's okay. We're still growing. Uh, This one comes from a good friend of the program, Brandon Beal. Um, Brandon asks, when is it time for James Franklin to sit trace? This is is a tough one that I I probably would have talked more about in our uh, Maryland uh, upcoming one. Because... I mean, how do you sit this kid on senior day, last home game ever? Like, it feels like you can't. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No way. Um, but you have to imagine that starting the game four for 16 would have been the time to either sit him or, you know, mix it up at the least. Yeah, and th- and that's my answer to the question. Thank you for, for to Brandon for, for writing in. Um, <laughs> when is it time for Franklin to sit? Trace, my answer is end of the Michigan game when we're getting beat up, uh, end of the Wisconsin game when we have a good lead and we feel comfortable that maybe we're going to win it, even though that was a little scary. Uh, and then most importantly, the, you know, halftime at this game. Um, and I and I got into it with a couple people on Twitter who are like, you know, what do you mean you're going to sit him? He's turning it around. And like, I joked after the first touchdown. I was like, oh, touchdown. Just kidding. Don't sit him. Um, but like, he, he was clearly not himself. He was clearly very off. And this is Rutgers. This is the one and nine Rutgers. Um, I got into it with a guy who was telling me uh, offense was offense was like stalling. 
and you're going to put in a guy who has not shown us that he can throw the ball downfield, meaning Tommy Stevens. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going. He hasn't if, really had the opportunity. To well, one, he hasn't had the opportunity. Two, if you're not confident in your backup, who you convinced to stay for next year, where he could have transferred, that he can't move the ball against the one and nine Rutgers. Like, what does that say about you as a program, as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator? Forget about, like, we need Trace to beat Rutgers. Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, I get that Trace wants to play. I get that he wants to gut it through. But at that point, if you're James Franklin, you need to pull him aside and say, listen, I love you. I love what you've done for us. You need to sit this half and get right because I want you to go out on senior day with a bang. I want you to be able to play in the bowl game. And right now, you're just not doing it. You put Tommy in there. Listen, if Tommy's really stinking it up, guess what? We got the best quarterback in the nation at Sean Clifford. You put him in there. Like, <laughs> this is Rutgers, man. Like, we should not even be in this conversation. 20 to 7 is absurd that it was this close. And damn it, it should have been closer if they didn't drop the goddamn Philly special. Yeah. Like, this is a 20 to 14 game if they catch that ball. Yeah. And I guess, uh, kind of condensed answer for Brandon here is. I would say this week, it's whoever has a better week in practice deserves the start. Because this, this isn't like uh, under normal circumstances where Tommy could have a better week, and you're like, all right, well, kind of whatever. He, you, you're getting the feeling that he's probably having a better week because Trace isn't himself. Yeah. Because he's hurt. And so if you've got a quarterback who's playing better than your quarterback who's hurt, I think he, des- he deserves a shot. Yeah, and, and we will actually do a full, uh, full preview episode this week for Maryland. We didn't do one last week for Rutgers because – well, shit, there just wasn't anything to talk about. But I think we've actually got a lot to talk about with, with Maryland, especially after their game that they just came up yeah. with, with Ohio State. Spoiler. Um, but, yeah, the, here's here's how it's going to go. It is senior day. It is Trace McSorley's last game in Beaver Stadium. The man is going to start. I don't care if he's out there, like, on crutches to take the first snap, even if it's a symbolic. Like, he's going to start the game. That being said, I think as long as he's healthy enough, you give him a shot, you let him play, if after the first quarter, if going into the half, it's a it's a close game and Maryland is, is playing tight like they did against Ohio State, I think you have to have a serious a serious conversation there. It's like you hey, have to at least consider it. Yeah, because like listen, we've had a very good season. We've talked about that. Overall, we have a chance to win, finish nine and three, and still maybe, maybe get to a New Year's six bowl. Like I'm not as confident after this game, but still maybe. Like Maryland's gonna be fighting for bowl eligibility. They're five and six right now. They're going to give us yeah. everything they have, right? So, like, yes, I, 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 I agree that it has to be a serious conversation for this game. Trace will start. I, I, I would put my life savings on that, which isn't much, but I would still put it on there. Um, Absolutely. He's going to start the game, but I, I, I think if he's struggling early, it wouldn't surprise me if you see a halftime switch. And I, I got to be honest with you, even if it's not like an all-out switch, I just don't understand why. I mean, Tommy Stevens just doesn't seem to get any opportunity. Yeah, it, we kept him here for a reason. It's more the it was to be more than just a backup quarterback. He didn't play a single snap, I don't think. Yeah, uh, he had an Instagram post yesterday. It was a picture from the game, and uh, the caption was just the snoozing emoji, emoji, like "Hey, you're sleeping on me," um, which I don't know. Take you know subliminal Instagram posts for what I, you I, will. Listen, I, he's got the right to be frustrated. Yeah, I mean, and in limited action, I think he's something like. Uh, I don't know, what is he, six for nine or something like that? Nice. Um, yeah, he's, he had that one nice touchdown to Fryerbooth. You know, they just run him all the time, um, which will be a nice segue into our next segment here is, is Ricky Ronnie and the play calling. Um, so we have talked about this one for a while. Um, 
Ricky Ronnie has had a, I would say, subpar year as offensive coordinator. He's a first-time offensive coordinator. And and let me preface this with this, too, because I, I hate being negative and I hate talking shit on people in the program because, again, we do this podcast because we love this program. We love this team. We love this sport. At the end of the day, if I get to meet any single one of these guys, if I ever get to talk to one of them, like, I'm going to tell them how much I love them. Like, I love Ricky Ronnie as a person. I'm sure he's a fantastic person. I think he's probably got a beautiful family. I'm sure we'd sit down and have a great beer together. As an offensive coordinator, I'm a little worried. Um, going to read off some stats for you, and then and then we'll we'll talk about kind of how we game planned this. Rutgers is allowing 33 points per game, which is good for 95th in the nation. We scored 20 against them. Not great. They are allowing 409.8 yards. 409 for all you Joe Paul lovers out there. I don't know if I should say that, but I am. Uh, so let's call it 410 yards a game which is 72nd in the nation. Of those 410 yards, 221 rushing yards a game they are giving up. 110th in the nation. Passing, only 188. Actually actually good for 21st in the nation. I do have to admit, I was really impressed with Rutgers' defensive backs. Yeah, so so let's let's take a let's go inside the mind of, of a Ricky Ronnie. All right, this team, Rutgers, they got some good defensive backs. They're letting up only 188 pass yards, but man, they're giving up 220 on the ground. You know what we should do? Let our hobbling Trace McSorley throw the ball 37 times. What? Like, am I insane to think that's just a dumb move? Yeah, the only counterpoint I would have to that is that Miles Sanders was only averaging 3.3 on the ground. It's not like he was lighting the day up yesterday. I mean, on, on Saturday. No, he wasn't, but I think that's also... I think that also has to do with the game script is we, we were forcing a lot of passes that put us in third and longs, right? Where we have to then keep passing. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, the goddamn screen passes. I'm, I'm so over the swing passes. It felt like we did that to miles like six or seven times this game. It's probably only three or four. Um, but what kills me about the, the swing passes is it almost seems like every single time it's very flat where like the running back is almost lat, like directly lateral with the quarterback. So it's he has to kind of stop, make a defender miss, and then go. Like I, I get trying to get your guys in in space, right? Totally get that. But that's got to be more of like a not a full on wheel, but man, lead the guy downfield, let him get some momentum going. You know, run a run a little corner in screen like they did with KJ that one time, which was great. Um, it just seems very very predictable, and we've talked about this where the offense doesn't really have an identity. Um, you know, it, it, it just, I, it worries me. And, you know, that's another question. You see everybody talking on Twitter about fire Ricky Ronnie, fire Ricky Ronnie. I, I don't see that happening. Not after one year. Um, this is his first year as offensive coordinator. Franklin kept John Donovan for multiple years. He's not going to fire Ricky Ronnie after one. Um, but I, I think there's gotta be, there's gotta be something that takes this offense from where it is to the next step. And I, I don't know what that is. Um, they tried this game at the end that you saw a lot of that two running back set where they would have Miles and Ricky Slade at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which is something. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, but would love to hear your thoughts on on play calling, on on offense, identity. Where 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 do we sit right now? Yeah, I mean, I I know I say this pretty much every week, but I I can't stress the importance of making teams allocate resources to, like, 
things that you might not even do. Things like bringing in Tommy, Tommy Stevens to run or pass. You know, having the lion out there. Just running different plays. Things that defenses have to account for. Where even if you don't run that play, now there is focus away from the play you are running. And like I, I, I know I say it every week. But Ricky Ronnie seems totally incapable of doing anything that isn't just completely vanilla. Yeah, and I and I that's that's the part that worries me is like, okay, great, you're trying this two running back set with Miles and, and Ricky Slade. Okay, cool, different wrinkle. You should, like this isn't the time to do that when you're up by ten points against Rutgers, a team you should be blowing out of the water. Like you should be trying that when you're up forty five nothing against Rutgers in the fourth quarter because shit, we got time. Like it just it seems like we're we're very I don't want to say conservative, but it, it is. Like and we're taking shots down the field, but it's just uh, R- Ricky Ronnie seems incapable of taking risk. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's he, he he doesn't know how to get creative with his play calling and I I think that's just a, a huge problem with our 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 offense is that teams don't have to they have to prepare for talented players, but they don't have to prepare for the unknown. Yeah, and I mean, I think there was a lot of, you know, a lot of promise after, because you remember he called the game uh, the Fiesta Bowl against Washington last season because Moore had already yes. taken, the, taken the head coaching job and left, and we put up some points in that game, and it was exciting, and we saw Saquon take off for like an 80-yard run, and we saw some big plays, and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Like, we know we're losing some skilled players, but this is going to be good. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been disappointing, is all I'll say. Like, I mean, you can only hope that, from year to year with experience, with hopefully a lot of guys returning. Again, we'll get into that in another episode. Um, you hope that they, he takes that leap from year one to year two. Because if we come out next year with the same sort of predictability, it's going to be scary. So I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, hell, we've been talking about it for however long already. But, um, yeah, just it, it's a concern. Um I hope we can gut out a win against Maryland and get into a great bowl and, and put this season behind us, but uh, that will be top of mind for me. Uh, last thing on the offense, what was it, our first or second drive? We get down into, I don't know, the three or four-yard line. It's fourth and goal, and we settle for a field goal. It's fucking Rutgers, man. Punch it in. Um, all right. Yeah. I'm done, I'm done venting. I apologize. Uh, anything else on the offensive side of the ball um, that we want to touch on? Um, I love the young receivers finally getting a chance, you know, our mm-hmm. – our upperclassmen just really were not getting it done. And I love the fact that Franklin finally pulled the trigger. And, you know, Jahan Dotson, or, you know, three leading receivers, KJ, Jahan, ja- Jahan Dotson, and Pat Fryerman, all young guys. I love seeing that. Yeah, and you saw uh, Justin Shorter was in. I think it was a run that he actually got his yards on. Um, he did. But then they, they tried to tried to feed it to him on that interception. So, I mean, you look at next year, obviously Jawan's coming back because, you know, He's been very, very subpar this year. So you look at our receiving core of next year, it's going to be Jawan Johnson, KJ Hamler, Jahan Dotson, Justin Shorter, and then a couple of the other guys in like a Cam Sullivan Brown and Matt Kippenhammer. You've got the talent and now you've got some of the experience. That's promising to me, whether it is Tommy or, or Sean, which is another debate that seems to be looming on the internet that I, I don't think is a debate. I think Tommy is our guy next year, but here well, I mean, that. based on the limited action you've seen this year, I can understand why it's a debate. Yeah, which is great. You know what's you know what's good about a lot of these debates is we're gonna have some content for the off season, folks. We're gonna be able to yeah, keep right? this podcast going. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to see those guys go, and I, I love that. 
Um, like you said, Miles did not have his best day. 27 carries for 88 yards. Um, good to see Ricky Slade getting some chances again. Seems like whatever issue you know he was having is finally over. Um, but yeah, uh, offense, like I said, 20 points against Rutgers is just absolutely not acceptable. Uh, if we play this way against Maryland next week, we're in for a railroad awakening. And with that, we will flip to the defense. So um, defense for, for me, overall, awesome. Um, like, yes, we let up our first touchdown against Rutgers in <laughs> September of 2014. Um, and we let, up a, we let up a good bit of rushing yards. But I'll be honest, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, they ran the ball 55 times, and they threw the ball 16 and only completed five. So they were incredibly one-dimensional. Um, when you run the ball 55 times, you're going to find some success. Like, I, I'm not super concerned about 188 yards. Um, I thought our defensive line played just absolutely fantastic. Uh, four sacks total. We got one from <laughs> Micah with that strip sack, one from Sharif, which was awesome, one from Rob Windsor, and then uh, Antonio Shelton getting in there as well. 11 tackles for loss, which I thought was really, really cool too. Um, again, against Rutgers, these numbers should be, you know, kind of video game, but um, just really good to see that defensive line continuing to play well. Um, with four sacks, that brings us up to 37 total sacks for the season. So if you guys have been listening, um, we have partnered with uh, Coach Spencer, uh, Chaos, uh, for his Sack Hunger Initiative, which is um, they uh, for every sack they have this year, they're donating a turkey to a local food bank in state college um, we pledged five bucks per sack to help out with that so we are up to 185 dollars that we'll be donating I actually talked to him on twitter today and uh, he's going to get me that info tomorrow so really cool uh shout out to the defensive line and and, and coach spencer um awesome job on the field awesome job off the field uh we love that yeah way to go guys i, I can't tell you last time i was so happy to spend money <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Going to a good cause. Um, yeah. And hey, happy Thanksgiving week, guys. I should, probably should have said that at the top of the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, really, really good performance from the D-line. And it's funny, man. We gave some crap to the D-tackles early on. Rob Windsor has really come on. Um, he's been playing fantastically. And, and the more I look at Kevin Givens, um, I think like I, I think this is one of the cool things about like how you and I watch this game is like we've said this from the very beginning is we are not experts. We're not going back to like rewatch and dissect plays. We're kind of just taking it at, at first glance, like a regular fan would. Um, so we've given shit to, to like Kevin Givens and, and Rob Windsor up the middle. I think if you look back and you look back at the tape, like I think Kevin Givens <laughs> has quietly had a really good season um, being that like nose tackle type, eating up space, getting in the backfield. He had a couple of big plays in this game. Um, he had the one on that goal line stand where he just dominated uh, the center of the guard and, and got in the backfield. Um, yeah, overall, I, I just I think I think you can't be mad at our defensive line for the majority of the season and definitely this game. Yeah, I guess really the big problem with our defensive line, and um, like you saw it a little bit in this game, but more so throughout the season, it's just kind of inconsistency, and it, it does have to do with just kind of the way our defensive line plays, the style of play. You run a lot of because we don't have huge defensive linemen. Um, so we run a lot of like stunts and plays where our defensive linemen kind of, you know, cross each other and are making moves. And when that doesn't work, it gives up big yards. Um, but you, you've seen it work, you know, when it works, it fucking works. Yeah. So that's what you do love about it. Yeah. I, I think our guys are pretty big. I don't know. 
Let's see. Kevin Givens, uh, 6'1", 283. Uh, Yeter, 6'5", 262. Sharif, 6'5", 260. Those are not real heavy defensive lines. No, they're not, but I just like reading stats. Windsor, (laughs) 6'4", 304. Big boy from Wisconsin. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I, I, you know, again, shout out to, to the defensive line for, for being just fun to watch when they're getting after the quarterback. Um, I, I think, you know, we're going to get, um, I think we get most of these guys back next year. Uh, Windsor's a junior Sharif. I could see leaving. And again, we'll have a whole episode on that year. We definitely get givens. I think we get back. So yeah, I, I think there's just a lot of promise there. Um, really, really happy with the defensive line. Moving on to uh, secondary, two interceptions. Uh, John Reed had one. Garrett Taylor had one. Um, neither were, you know, crazy plays. Quarterbacks kind of lobbed him up. Uh, the one to Reed was just uh, overthrown and threw it right to him. But really nice to see him make that play. And then uh, Garrett Taylor, I think the quarterback was trying to throw it away, and it just stayed in the field of play. Yeah. Um, and we got that one. So that was nice. Uh, we got the one fumble recovery. Danny Joseph fell on that. Um yeah, like I, I, this is what I'm saying. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this. All in all, I thought it was a solid performance. It sucks that we yeah, gave I mean, up the one touchdown, but solid performance. Rutgers only threw 16 passes all game, so there's not there wasn't a huge body of work to kind of judge the defensive backs on. But I mean, they only let them complete five passes for 46 yards. Yeah, that's incredible. That's pretty damn great. I don't care what level of talent you're playing against. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah, first touchdown that Rutgers has scored against Penn State since September of 2014. And like I said, honestly, it should have been two. Um, that, I was that, extremely that, upset that, that we let up any of that. <clears throat> completely agreed. Um, but that, that fourth down play, that uh, Philly special, Piscataway special, whatever you want to call it, uh, worked like a charm. We were completely out of position, and the dude just fucking dropped it. Um, loser. Absolute loser. So uh, that's really all I've got for this game. Anything else? Uh, anything else on this game you want to chat about? Um, I just had one kind of funny note <coughs> listening to the commentators talk about Rutgers' struggles on offense specifically. The, <laughs> I think it was the color guy. I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint the Rutgers' struggles on offense where, you know, the passing's not that bad, the rushing's pretty good, and the offensive line isn't that bad. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so you mean they're just bad? <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent like, there analysis. One, yeah, there isn't one glaring fault. It just seems to none of it be working. Jeez. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's see, uh, other things, last things to call out. Uh, so we did have a decent day on third down 11 of 19. So this is only the second time this season that we've gone over 50%, which is nice. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I don't care about going anything else. It's a win. It's ugly win. Um, what this means for our rankings. So we, we are at number 15 in the AP. Um, I, I think at this point in the season, like AP doesn't really matter because college football playoff rankings are out. Yeah. Right. So, we were number 14 in the college football playoff rankings last week. Uh, so, like I said, we're recording this on Monday night. We will find out where we stand tomorrow when the new rankings come out. I don't think we move. I think we stay right at 14. Um, if anything, we get worse. I, I, don't know if we, I don't know if we get worse, but I don't think we move up. So, if you look at the teams above us that lost, uh, West Virginia lost. Uh, they were number nine. I don't think they fall that far because they still have an impressive year. Um, I think this is only their second loss. Uh, I, I think they probably stay in that, you know, they were number nine. They'll probably drop to, I don't know, 12 or 13. Um, mm-hmm. Syracuse, number 12, lost. So I think they definitely fall way down. But I think Texas jumps us. They had a they had a win over Iowa State. Texas was 15. Iowa State was 16. 
that's more impressive than us barely scrapping against Rutgers. So I think we stay right. I think we stay right at 14. Um, You know, it would have been really, really great if Ohio State did lose that game to Maryland. That would have been nice to see uh, us jump up, um, you know, have a a clearer path to a New Year's Six Bowl. But control what you can control, right? We go in, uh, you know, to senior day this week. Like I said, we'll do a full preview, full breakdown. Um, But listen, take care of business. Beat Maryland. Beat beat them well. And we got a chance. Absolutely. I think I just tried to say chance and shot at the same time, and it came out like chance. So. Chance. Sorry, sorry for the for the oh, like British accent. Whatever one, one. Just, just one chance. Just one chance, team. One chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, guys. It's fucking eleven forty at night. Um, all right, before we get into some wrestling, what, what are we calling it? The wrestling recap. Yeah, the wrestling recap. I like that. Uh, before we get into that, I do have a Big Ten bowler and a Big Ten bozo. Do you have anything for us this week, Pat? I do not. All right, that's fine. This is one of our like inconsistent segments. Next year, it'll be much better. Um, another one of our inconsistent segments is PSU in the NFL. Again, next year, next season. This, this is the first season. We're getting all the kinks out. Um, my Big Ten baller is actually Maryland running back Anthony McFarland. This dude torched Ohio State's defense, ran for 298 yards on just 21 carries. So, yes, if you're doing the math at home, that is 14 yards per carry and two touchdowns. Um, he just had an incredible day. Uh, that, that game. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about this more in our preview. That game was just really, really exciting. Um, and he led the way for Maryland, which, which I thought was awesome. Uh, conversely, my big 10 bozo is quarterback for Maryland, Tyrell Pigrom, who, uh, had a chance to win the game in overtime, which I loved that call. Uh, loved, loved, loved that call. Uh, they go for two and say, fuck it. We're going to win the game right here. Has his man wide open in the end zone and just misses him. Uh, like you feel bad. So like, I'm sorry, I'm calling you a bozo. Cause that kid probably just like hated himself after that game. Um, but that's showbiz baby. I mean, that's how it goes. So yeah. Uh, Tyrell Pigrome, you are my bozo. The only other bozo I got too. Do you see this Michigan state lost to Nebraska nine to six? Ugh. Like how did we lose, God, to, that how did we lose state? to that team? This, and this is the craziest thing about college football. And this is why we love it. Cause like nothing makes sense. Any every week matters. Every week anything can happen. Like Michigan State beat us, and then they lost nine to six to Nebraska, one of the worst teams in the league. Ohio State yeah. came back and beat us when we were playing some of our best football, and then they almost lose to Maryland. Like it's just nothing makes sense. Um, but that's week. What are we in? Week eleven? Week twelve now? Um, going into the final week of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a win. We feel okay about it. Let's just let's get through this season and get to a good bowl game. Um, that's all I got for football. Pat is going to bring us into our wrestling recap, uh, second edition ever. I hear there was a tournament this weekend. There was. We had the Keystone Classic this weekend, which is a, a tournament of mainly Pennsylvania teams, a couple outliers they let in. But, I mean, Penn State is – you know, quite clearly the best team in the field there. Uh, in case that wasn't clear enough, Penn State made it extremely clear by bringing home eight of the ten weight class championships. Nice. And absolutely dominating. Uh, the only weight classes we didn't win were 125, which went somewhat disappointingly, and then 149, which we could have won, but I'll explain later why we didn't. Um, so at 125, I won't get two into. We um, entered two guys at that weight. Neither of them won. Both of them lost their first matches, won the next two, and then ended up losing. Very disappointing outing, but it was neither of our really blue-chip prospects, so not super worrying. 
And then at 133, we had Ro- Roman Bravo Young, baby, the guy who made the big impression great in the name. opening match. Oh, great name. True freshman, too. Brings home the championship, gets a first-round bye, and then a pin in 38 seconds. Damn. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, was up big in his semifinal match when his opponent had to um, injury default and leave the match. So uh, it goes on to the finals where he wins 24-9 to tech fall, which I believe, from the looks of it, was just an absolute takedown clinic. Damn, that's amazing. So a couple questions there. I'm going to educate mm-hmm. the listeners while I educate myself. In a tournament, you said he had a first round by. How many rounds are there to win that weight class? Um, it was first round, quarters, semis, and finals. So, so four got, matches had, total. Yeah, four matches to win. One of the most by. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, so and for the higher seated guys, they'll usually it'll usually take four matches to win a regular tournament. Okay, so our boy got the buy because he's the man. Um, yeah. Then you said something about an injury to injury to fall. Injury to fall. So I I'm not sure how it happened because unfortunately I didn't get to watch the matches, but in the middle of the match somehow the uh, Bravo Young's opponent from Harvard got hurt in what was not an illegal move. So he had to he had to couldn't finish the match and the win goes to Bravo Young. So two things there again. One, first of all, I love that because the way I hear that is our guy fucked him up so bad. You couldn't even finish. You're hurt. Um, and then the other thing, I love how you phrase that. It was not an illegal move, which tells me that oh, maybe it was a little sketchy. No, no. I mean, just I, the, the reason I clarify that is because, say, if, if a wrestler does pull, like, an illegal move and hurts a wrestler and he can't continue, the wrestler um, who got hurt actually wins the match. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was just messing with you. I would never yeah. question our guys of being illegal, but uh... – Okay, Roman Bravo Young, good shit, man. Yes, and he was up big at that point anyway, so, you know, he didn't need to hurt him. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I'm going to take it as he hurt him real bad, and the guy had to leave. <laughs> All right, and then we had Nick Lee at 141, also bringing home a championship. Gets the uh, first round, wins by 16 nothing tech fall. Dominant performance. Uh, second round, gets another tech fall, 18-3. Uh, In the quarterfinals, Gets a pin at four minutes and seven seconds. And the semifinals brings home another tech ball, 20 to three. Um, and then uh, I, I don't have the picture here of how he ended. I think he got a, another either tech ball or major decision in the finals. I unfortunately don't have that information in front of me. I thought I had it. It's all right. Um, so we're taking it as he but, cruised to a victory as well. It's a championship. Yes. Nick Lee with a, a very dominant performance. You love to see it. Not as cool of a name, but Nick Lee, we won't hold that against you. And then, uh, so at 149, we entered two guys. We had Brady Burge, who's a freshman, and we also had Jared Van Clearen, who, again, is another freshman. Van Clearen started the home opener match and won by a, you know, an early pin, made a big impression. So both of them win their first matches, Van Clearen by a pin at a minute 56, and Burge by a tech ball 20 to 5. Second round, uh, Burge wins by another tech ball, 18 and nothing. Van Clearen with a 12-4 major decision, which is a major decision as if you win, win by eight points or more. Nice. Um, in the quarterfinals, Van Clearen gets a 14-3 major. Um, and then Burge gets a 13-4 major. And then they face each other in the semis. Oh. So, like, this was kind of the big match for Penn State. Um Van Clearen was up most of the match two to one, gets a takedown, lets up this uh, escape to Burge. But then late in the match, 
Burge gets uh, a takedown to make it three to two and rides out Van Cleer to get the win. Now, unfortunately, he actually got hurt and couldn't wrestle the last match of the day. So he took home second place. So, I mean, really, it looks like the reason Penn State doesn't win this weight is because Burge couldn't wrestle in the finals or else he probably would have won. Uh, Van Cleeren did win his consolation match seven to four and then the third and then actually lost his third place match two to four. So a bit of a disappointing day for Van uh, Verclearen. Uh, first of all, losing the inner squad match, which is going to give Burge a leg up in the starting lineup, but then also not being able to take third is a disappointment for sure. Yeah. So, so how does that work? How many people can we enter in a weight class in a tournament? Um, so in, in a tournament like this, the Keystone Classic, it's what's considered an open tournament. So we can enter as many, we can enter one guy per weight class, like as our team. And then as many guys from our program can enter as open competitors as they want. Got it. So in, in this match, head to head, our guy versus our guy, who was going for the team? I believe for clearing was. Okay. So, so is that like, do they talk about that as strategy? Like, hey, like, let me win this one because it's team points or? Oh, no, absolutely not. All right. First of all, Penn State was going to run away with this no matter what right, because right. they were just by far the best team. And secondly, even if they weren't, they wouldn't care as much about winning the Keystone Classic as, you know, seeing who the better wrestler is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's competitive. Obviously, you want, yeah, you, you want to you wanna put your best out there and, you know, you want to show your coach and your fans and everyone, like, yeah, that you've got for, it. For Penn State, tournaments like this, like the Keystone Classic, are really used for the weight classes where there's disputes as to who should be the starter to see who the better wrestler is. And yeah. to get guys reps who, you know, might be red shirts or stuff like that. Sure, sure. I'm going to ask a lot of dumb questions, but hey, this is how we're left. No, no, feel free. I, um, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are on a similar page with you when it comes to wrestling. So they'll yeah. absolutely interrupt when something that isn't obvious to you comes up. No, I like that. So last, last one on this match. So our two dudes go head to head. The guy who wins gets hurt and can't fight in the finals, right? Yeah. Can't wrestle, not fight. That's a bad term. Um, talking okay. about like Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't they let the the guy who lost that semifinal then take his place? Not how it works. No, they just default. The other guy wins? Yeah. yeah. I don't like that. I'm going to write a letter to someone. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> All right. So then at 157, we have Jason Null, the man. Yeah, probably the best pound for pound wrestler in college wrestling right now. Uh, gets the first round by, of course, because he's Jason Nolf. Round two takes a pin at two fifteen. Uh, wins a twenty three to ten major decision in the second match. Seems like an absolute takedown clinic there. Uh, then picks up another pin in his semifinal match at two minutes twenty three seconds, and then in the finals picks up yet another pin at four minutes and forty six seconds. Uh, dominant outing by Jason Nolf here. Um, it was, I, I wasn't able to watch the matches because they weren't televised anywhere that I could find. Mm. But from what I could tell, the second match looked like Jason Nolf was just kind of going out there trying to get a workout. 23 to 10 looks like he just, <laughs> it looks like he just took him down about 11 times and let him up 10. Damn. So, Sounds like we're going to be hearing a lot. Yeah, sounds like we're going to hear that a lot this year. Yes, that is what basically what you could be expecting from him so far, you know, for the rest of the season. Love it. And then 165, Vincenzo Joseph, another returning national champion, another absolute just dominant wrestler, picks up a first-round pin, two minutes, 25 seconds, 
round two, picks up another pin at 31 seconds. Not That's to be amazing. outdone by That's the young guns. Uh, in the quarterfinals, a third pin at four minutes, 25 seconds. In the semis, a fourth pin, two minutes and 13 seconds. And then in the finals, can't keep the pin streak going, gets the technical fall with a 21 to six victory. Vincenzo, buddy, we're going to have to have a talk here, right? Four four pins is not enough. I need five. I know. Uh, you you, you want to see five pins out of Chenzo. It <laughs> needs but, uh, to be a pin party. I, I heard that term last that's episode. Right. I'm catching on. I uh, love it. That's pretty fucking awesome about pinning four out of five guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, what really what you're going to see this season is from 57 up until 97, Penn State will basically win every single match they wrestle, uh, with the exception of maybe two or three all season. I mean, that kind of confidence has just got to be amazing. Like, and again, you know, I'm not a avid wrestling sports fan, but I kind of the way the way like your confidence there of hey, we're just gonna win everything. That's got to be what like Alabama feels like in football, right? Where they know they're just gonna go out and fuck shit up no matter what. Oh yeah, and I mean, it's just it's an absolute murderer's row of a lineup that we go from uh, Nolf Joseph. Uh, Mark Hall um, into uh, Shakur Rashid and then Bo Nickel. You got four guys there who are national champions. You know, that's amazing. It's, yeah, it's it's really just an like I said, an absolute murderer's row of a lineup. Are there any other teams in or any other schools, um, major schools that have that many multiple champions? Oh no. Is there anyone any other school that has like two or three even? Uh, Iowa, Maybe two. I think, has only has one returning. Um, you know, I don't think there's any school that has more than one national champion returning. We'll we'll have the stats department look that up. Uh, we don't have yeah. a stats department. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll have to look that up because that's pretty cool. Like, how many do we oh, have? Yeah. Retu- how many returning national champions do we have? Uh, four from last season. Uh, wait, no. Three from last season. Four overall. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I guarantee if we look that stat up, there's not many, if any, that come close to that. No, of course not. Um, so we move on to 174, where Mark Hall puts up a pretty – in his, uh, round one, picks up a pin at 335. In the quarters, picks up another win at 440. And then from here on out, it was a little disappointing to see his uh, – his competition gets so close. So he picks up a five, nothing win in the semis, which, you know, it's fine. Yeah, uh, it's good enough. like to see a little more dominant. And then in the finals, uh, only wins six to four, which is not exactly what you'd like to see. My guess though, is that most of those points from the other kid coming off escapes. Um, just, you, you'd like, um, you know, kid takes home, you know, the title. You're never disappointed about that, but you'd like to see a little more dominance out of Mark Hall this year. Especially yeah, if he's like, going to uh, try and rebound from a tough loss in the finals last year to become a national champion again this season. Right. So a win like that, like it, it's a win, but it's it's almost like if like Penn State football beat Rutgers like 20 to 7 or something. Yes. Like, and I mean, yeah. the kid he beat in the finals is the 18th ranked kid in the nation. So. Okay. No scrub. All right. TLC. A solid wrestler, no scrubs. but he, he should be able to beat him better. All right. I respect it. Mark, yeah, we'll, we'll have a word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, these, these guys are going to hear it from me all right i'm an expert oh yeah. on this shit so then we move on to shakur rashid at 184 big boys um, let's go oh yeah so his first match picks up a pin in 34 seconds like, love that's to see. 
I, all of these guys that you're talking about pins in 34 seconds. Like if I went up against someone like, and I'm talking like, let's go like equal, equal uh, capability. Like I have no wrestling experience. Give me someone who has no wrestling experience, same size. I don't think I could pin anyone in 30 seconds. Like, no, that's no, amazing. I mean, it's, it's really quite incredible. That's really incredible. I, I, it's, it's really like rare to see kids get pinned that quickly and to see our team doing it with somewhat regularity in this tournament is really something else. It's child's play. Yeah, it's, it really is. Um, so he gets the 34 second pin in his first match. Um, and then in his second match picks up another pin at a minute Oh eight. So another just dominant performance, uh, in the semifinals takes wins a 15, nothing tech ball. So that's, I mean, again, Complete dominance. Yeah. And then another pin in one minute in the finals. Jesus. So Shakur Rashid had in, uh, I think, four matches, had a combined, like, six minutes of mat time. (laughs) 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 A really, really dominant performance from him. Good shit. Shakur. Shakur, like Tupac Shakur? Absolutely. My guy. And then we got Bo Nickel. Um, Love him. Love him. I think guy who's considered the second best pound for pound wrestler in the country this year moved up a weight class last year. He was at 84 this year. He's at 97. Mm. So he picks up a buy in the first round, uh, gets the pin in 37 seconds in the second round. Um, in the semifinals picks up another pin in a minute 35. And then the finals gets the 18 to four major decision. Uh, so, I mean, you would like to see him, pick up another fall in the finals but not much to complain about there from Bo Nickel yeah absolutely so we just run away with this tournament yes oh I mean it really wasn't very I think we won by 19 points and how many schools are competing in this oh I don't know exactly how many were competing in the Keystone but it was at least eight okay that's what I was gonna say is this like a like a eight to ten is this like a 40 like how do they work yeah I I think this was an eight team tournament roughly okay and we won by 90 points, did you say? Yes, it was It was quite <laughs> lopsided. I'm, I'm going to enjoy... I think we had 192 team points, and I think Penn came in second with, like, 102. I am going to enjoy learning about Penn State wrestling yes. and then shamelessly, oh, shamelessly, like, ragging on people from other schools. Like, oh, now, that, now that I have a basic knowledge, anytime someone brings up college wrestling, they're like, yeah, I go to Penn State. What's up, bro? What's up? Oh, you want to talk about it? I talk about. I know Bo Nickel. What's up? Um, And that'll be the extent of my knowledge for now. But hey, I'm gonna learn throughout the season. Uh, So that's your wrestling recap. Wrestling. Uh, We got got one more. One One more. more. Oh, I thought that was the last one. Shit. Two eighty-five is really the most interesting one for Penn State. So we entered two guys again. Uh, Two eighty-five. Yeah, two eighty-five. That's a heavyweight. Big boys. Um, Oh yeah. Um, So we have Nick Nevels, number two in the country. Um, I believe took fourth in the nation last year um he went up against our other guy anthony kassar who wrestled in our home opener um, okay so first period nevels gets a bye um and kassar picks up a pin at a minute and 20 um in the quarterfinal match nevels wins by tech fall 21 to 6 which is extremely rare in heavyweight matches to see that kind of scoring so you'd like to see that um, uh, Kassar picks up another pin at a minute and 20. Uh, and then so they wrestled each other in the semifinals. So this is very telling to see what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Yeah, Kassar picks up a 72 win. Oh, and I believe picked up like two minutes and 30 seconds 
in riding time against Neville's, which is extremely impressive considering I think Neville's outweighs him by like 30 to 40 pounds. You can have that big of a discrepancy? Uh, so at, at the heavyweight weight, you see this happen because the limit's 285, but I think Anthony Kassar only weighs like 228. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so then in the finals, Kassar picks up a major decision win, 11 to 3. Neville's wins his consolation match, uh, uh, pin in 2 minutes, 13 seconds to get to the third place match, wins that one 10 to 4 by a decision. Um, so, th- I mean, this is interesting because you got a guy in Neville's who's ranked as the second best heavyweight in the country coming into this year. And it looks like he might have already lost his spot. Yeah. So, to I mean, our that other tells guy. you the kind of room that the Penn State wrestling room is. Hey, man, you know what they say, iron sharpens iron. That's not a bad problem to have. Exactly. So um, the only real worry here is with Kassar being so small, how he'll match up against, you know, some of those better, bigger heavyweights, like the Sam Stoles from Iowa and the Gable Stevensons from uh, Minnesota, who just exploded onto the scene this season. But, I mean, can you you play your – What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so the upside there is Kassar, as a smaller guy, is probably going to have the better motor and be a little quicker. So we'll be, you know, taking a lot more shots than a normal heavyweight match sees. Yeah. Can you, like, can you like pick and choose your matchups, though? Like, you know, if you're going into a, a meet or a tournament and you know the other guys are a bit heavier, can you play Neville and then, you know, oh, another tournament? You know, yes. pick, like, you, you choose who you start, basically. Yes, but, I mean, really – when, when it gets dicey is when it comes down to the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament where you can only wrestle one guy. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, now's the time to figure out who's that guy going to be. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. Well, is that now the wrestling recap? That is. All right. See, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm learning. Um, cool. Well, it's good to hear all is well uh, on the wrestling front. Uh, who's our coach? Kale? Kale Sanderson. Kale Sanderson. The man, um, the myth, the legend. Yeah, shout-out to Kale, shout-out to the team. Nice big win, um, and, and good luck rest of the way. We'll have Pat Colicchio here giving us all the info every week on Penn State Wrestling. Um, all right, it is 11.59 p.m. Monday night. We're about to hit Tuesday here. This episode will drop Tuesday morning. Um, happy Thanksgiving to all you guys out there. Uh, you know, wherever you are listening to this, if you're in Pennsylvania, if you're at Penn State, if you're somewhere around the country, uh, the boys at No Name Saw Game wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we will have another episode out sometime later this week doing a, a quick Maryland preview. Um, and then, shit, man, the regular season's over. Like, it feels like just yesterday we started this thing. And, well, not uh, yet. There's one more game. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. After the Maryland. is, is uh, That's our last regular season game. Yeah. Um, and then we get into the bowl season. But, yeah, it feels like just yesterday we started this thing, and it's, it's been a fun ride. So thanks again to everyone who's listening. Um, check us out on, on Twitter, on Instagram, love interacting with you guys, send us your thoughts, send us your questions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got, Pat, anything else for the fans? Uh, yeah, you know, happy Thanksgiving guys. I want to thank everyone who listens to this and, uh, you know, I can't tell you how much it means to us. And I love, uh, seeing you guys reach out to Chris on Twitter and Instagram. I think it's great that we have people who actually interact with us. I, I kind of can't believe it. Uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me if you if you love or hate my opinions uh, <laughs> i'm at pat colicchio c-o-l-i-c-c-h-i-o uh on twitter pat underscore colicchio on instagram and i actually do another podcast with my buddy Vinny. it's a stand-up comedy one called going nowhere fast um g-o-i-n apostrophe we don't do g we don't do two g's 
No, no, um, no, can't do two Gs. But yeah, thank you guys so much. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it here. Yeah, and actually, absolutely check out Pat and Vinny's podcast. I've listened to uh, several of their episodes. Really funny guys. There's some great guests on there. So check them out. Uh, get excited. Maryland is a 3.30 Eastern kick. Um, so probably will be at the bar for this one. Last, last yeah. game of the season. Can't hold anything back now. We are.